good foundations for the month of January. And it's actually not just January, but this is the word that we believe the Lord has given us for the year. So that doesn't mean this will be the title all year long, but it means every year we kind of pray and we seek God and we say, Lord, what aim do you want us to reach for this year? Where do you want to take us as a church? And so this is the word that um, the pastors believe God has spoken to us. That as a church, we want to work on having a good foundation, foundation that is built on Jesus Christ and shoring up um, our faith. And so for the month of January, we are just looking at this. And Pastor Peter started last week with this scripture. This is our anchor scripture for the year, which means this is what we, you know, will continually focus on in, in our growth and uh, what we want, know that God wants to point us to. Okay, so Pastor Peter started us last week with this, and I'm going to reread it. Matthew 7 says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So Jesus came to restore our relationship back to the Father. That is what we believe as Christians, that we believe that we were created in God's image, created to be in relationship with him, partnered with him, not partnered as in equals with God, but he wanted to be in a relationship with us. And we know that sin, we chose sin, we decided to see like, well, let's see if our way's better. And that was a separation to us and our relationship with God, it created a barrier between us. And then we know that Jesus came to remove the barrier of sin, to offer us the gift of salvation so that we could be brought back into relationship with him. So that's amazing. That's what we believe as Christians. And so when you accept the gift of salvation, the free gift of salvation that God gives us, that means you repent of your sins and say, I want to be in a relationship with you again, God. You accept that gift, it's like, woo, all right. Now what? (laughs) What's the next thing? And after you become saved, you have now the job, the task of walking out your faith, living like Jesus has called us to live, to trust the story, to know that he uh, is guiding us. And so quite simply, this means that I have to submit my will daily to his. If I am saying I'm in Christ, I'm in a relationship with Christ, then I must live the way he's asking and calling us to live. And so, you know, there's two thoughts we're going to pull out of today to kind of take home and meditate on this week. And this is the first one. As we consider good foundations and asking God, you know, what what foundations of mine are not founded on you, are not established on the rock that is Christ? Uh, First thing I want us to consider is that we have to choose obedience. I have to choose every day to submit my will (laughs) to the Father. We see this example in Jesus. Uh, But salvation is the free gift. But then I have to make the choice to be obedient every day. I have to make the choice to submit my will. And if you think, you know, we don't really like that word, do we? Submission. We don't like it. But, you know, if you didn't think you had a submission problem, try fasting. Who's fasting? Ooh. 
boy, your flesh just wants what it wants. And when I have to go throughout my day and say, no, <laughs> no, no to that thing, no to that, whatever it is you've given up, boy, you realize, man, it takes effort. And I have to use uh, my will to say, no, you will be in submission <laughs> to this endeavor that I'm doing. Okay, so... And we see even in that scripture we just read, we know that we have a choice in this because it says, those who hears the words of mine and does them will be built on a rock. Those who hear it and do not do them, okay, so there's choice there. We have a choice. I have to choose obedience. I have to choose to submit my will every day as I'm considering the path of Jesus. If I'm saying, okay, I'm a Christian, I'm in relationship with him, and I'm going to walk the way he's asked me to walk. And it's not like... Oh, boy, it's a whole list of rules of do's and don'ts to be a Christian. No, no, no. We are in relationship with God. But to be in relationship with anyone, there are things I must do to have a healthy relationship. That There's a part I have to play in this. And this is the same with God. We receive the free gift of salvation, but then I must choose to, to walk with him and... Um, to be obedient to what he's calling us to. And so, you know, it, it can be easy to think like, okay, well, he's, he's done, Jesus has done his part. He's done the hardest part. <laughs> he, he's removed the, the curse of sin. Man, why is it so difficult then to have good foundations? If I've accepted salvation, if I'm in a relationship with a living God, why is it so difficult to have good foundations, to walk daily with God? And we're going to look at 2 Corinthians as we consider this question. 4, verse 6 and 7. For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus. So, reiterating, God, who like created light, created everything, he spoke the words, light came into existence, that God <laughs> has said that that light now shines in our hearts. Wow. And can we just, before we go on, this sentence here, my gosh, I love this. The glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the glory of God, the fullness of the glory of God. I love that. Okay, so God, God has ordained that we could receive this light. We can receive salvation. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. So we have the salvation. We have salvation from God, the free gift. It's the clay pot that trips us up, right? It's us. It's our flesh. It's my own desires, proclivities, my, my flesh, the wounds from my childhood. I let offenses build in my mind. I let fear be in the driver's seat instead of faith. I, I let addictions things that bring me comfort, all of these things are things that can distract me from living in relationship with Jesus, from that daily submission of what he's called me to do to be in a relationship with him. But this isn't a surprise to God. He knows that. Like, he knows we're the clay pot. Um, and it, it, it seems so wild to think about why would God choose to partner with us? Like, what, of all the ways you could have done this, it seems unimaginable that he, God, creator God, would choose to live in created man and to use us and to partner with us because he says, you are the church. You are my representation on this earth to, to, to see um, my will be done on this earth. And it's so 
uh, amazing to think that he has chosen us for this work. And the scripture right here tells us why he's done this. It's not a mystery. It says, so that it makes it clear that the work that gets accomplished for the kingdom of God is by his power and not by the power of the vessel. Because listen, if you've got this impressive vessel, like, wow, oh my gosh, this being that's perfect and doing all this work to restore the earth and to restore mankind and to see mankind be brought to salvation and freedom. and Wow, the vessel. What? No, no, no. It's not about the vessel. It's about the power of God. And so he has partnered with us, fragile clay pots, we'll say, um, to do this work. And it's absolutely uh, mind-blowing and it's an interesting perspective because we get so paralyzed by fear when we think about stepping out in our faith like when, whether it's sharing my testimony or praying with someone or maybe I should start a group or maybe I should join a group or maybe I should join a team whatever it is we can become paralyzed with fear because we want something to be the best and we think well I'm not going to be very good at it and this person knows more or this person's more talented or they're way better with their words and so we get paralyzed by fear but which is crazy because the great paradox of the Christian faith is that despite our weakness God's power and glory shine through so God's like telling us like yeah you're, you're going to be a weak vessel that's okay that's okay because it will be obvious that it's me doing the work, that it's me that has changed that family, that it's me that has braked addiction off of your coworker. It's me. It's not you. So, But we can be so frozen because it's like, I'm not good enough. I'm not going to be good enough. I'm not going to know what to say. I'm not going to know what to do. So let somebody else do it. Meanwhile, who gets the glory in any of that? So I'm going to use the example of small group just because it's a new year. Small group semesters have begun and, and gathering together uh, in a community is very important to, to this church. It's the heart of our church. And so let's just use this as an example. Sometimes how we can be our own worst enemy in this. Maybe you felt like, okay, I should join a group this year. Or, but let's, let me use the example of starting a group. Maybe I should start a small group. But then we build it up. We build it up to this thing that's like, oh, I couldn't. I couldn't gather a room full of people and stand before them and give a teaching in this expository teaching of all the mysteries of the universe. Let's demystify that a little bit. Let's bring this down a few notches and let me like kind of share the heart of, of community and small group here. Do you have two other people in your life, two other people in your season of life, like two other women, two other couples, two other whatever, that you're like... Let's, let's get together once a week or once every other week. That's what our group has to do. We have kids. So dads watch the kids, moms get to go, vice for every other week. Do you have an hour that we can get together? Let's just get together and maybe let's, I don't know, read through a book of the Bible. We'll just take one chapter. One chapter, we'll take 15 minutes, we'll read it. We'll kind of go and say, what do, you, what do you see in this? What do I see in this? And we'll pray for each other and then let's just hang out the last... 20 minutes. That's small group. That's gathering together in community. You don't have to know the expository. You don't have to have gone to theology school. But we build this up like, I could never do that. I could never do that. You can do it. You can. You can. You can gather with two other Christians and say, let's just spend a few minutes reading some scripture together. But we might be pooling our ignorance. That's okay. We have the Holy Spirit. He's going to help us figure it out. We, we can read a few lines of scripture and just say, God, what are you speaking to us in this? 
In our amazing, impressive Bible study, God's made strong? Or in my weakness? Hey, you don't have a group, I don't have a group. Let's take an hour. <laughs> let's take an hour every other week and let's do try something. Let's try to encourage each other to grow. In our weakness, he's made strong. You'll be surprised what would happen if you get together with another believer and just pray for 10 minutes together for each other. You might be surprised. And so we choose obedience, and we let's consider this as we um, think about this year and think about what God might be asking us to do. The second thing I want us to pull out from this and, and consider in the coming months is that we have to choose humility or simplicity, perhaps, is another way to say it. Choose humility. So think. Think of a clay pot, the, the example that's used in this scripture. A clay pot with simple, plain, it's not flashy, it's not expensive, it's breakable. It wasn't impressive. And it's not like it was impressive then either. This was not a, a hot item. This was your basic household item. Other items were far more valuable. Glass is more valuable, silver, gold. The clay pot was the basic household thing. And oftentimes they would hide, like if you had family jewels or money, you would hide it in the clay pot or the clay bowl because if a thief is coming through, they're not going to bother to steal the clay pot. There's no value in that. And so... Uh, it's interesting to consider this imagery that God would call us, or Scripture would compare us to a clay pot. But I want to be clear, this is not about having a low self-esteem, okay? So this isn't like, oh, I'm such a loser. That, that, that posture, oh, nobody could ever do anything with me. That's not humility, okay? So I want to be clear on that. That's, that's self-esteem issues, which still is rooted in pride at the end. So I'm talking about humility, to have the perspective like, okay, yeah, compared to creator God, creative universe, living in created me, okay, yeah, I'm a clay pot. I, I can live with that. The comparison there tracks. Um, but we're talking about not feeling this pressure to be impressive and, and um, this have to be so amazing that, that, that that's how you get influence as a Christian. No. Maybe you felt that. Maybe you're like, I have to have an impressive family, impressive job, impressive finances, impressive kids, impressive house to be a good example or to, to be impressive in, in, in my Christian life. Clay pots are simple. Basic. I heard a speaker once and they said, um, a person of integrity is a simple person. What you say, what you do, and what you think are the same person of integrity is a simple person. I don't mean simple as insulting. I mean that I don't say one thing and do another. I don't say one thing and think another. Oh yeah, I'm trusting God in this situation. No, he doesn't love me. He's never come through. You know, I'm not saying something and thinking something different than the words I'm speaking. I don't say different things in different places. Integrity is simplicity. Not necessarily easy. I don't mean integrity is easy. It's often the harder way. But I mean it's uncomplicated. It's not like, well, it's just so complex and it's new, the nuance and it's dualistic. No, no, no. Integrity is simple. What I say, what I think, and what I do lines up. And we have a way. So let me give you some examples. If I make a mistake... Like a true mistake, not perceived. I've made a mistake. I know I've made a mistake. Humility, simplicity says, I, 
I own it, I apologize, and I move on. All three. (laughs) I own it, I apologize, I move on. The way that we complicate, because we're so complex and deep and difficult. Okay, the way we complicate this is either we deny, I don't want to apologize, our pride. You know, I'm not going to apologize for that. If you, I'm talking about if you, you know you've messed up. Okay, either we swing to one side of like making it difficult to actually apologize, or we swing the other way and we're like we apologize, but we're wallowing and we're like the beat down dog that's begging to get back in the house for weeks and weeks. Humility is simplicity. If I've made a mistake, I own it, I apologize, and I move forward because I've been forgiven and I've made amends. If I'm serving on a team. I don't obsess over being perfect. I don't worry. Well, this person says it better, and I'm not. They're not going to like me as much as her. I stick to my commitment, and I make a good effort. Is my effort as good as her effort? No. She's shiny and goldy, and I, I'm a clay pot. I'm okay with that. I have integrity, and I'm going to stick to my commitment. I'm going to give good effort, and I'm not going to um, make it about something else. When I'm misunderstood, I choose to be at peace. We should endeavor to be good communicators, clear up communication, but if I misunderstood, I'm not going to try to control everyone around me and all the opinions, and I'm going to go tell her to this, and I've got to to make sure and try to control the... I'm at peace. I choose to be at peace, and I choose for my thoughts to be at peace. Here's one. Here's kind of a different one. We're talking about um, simplicity. I don't overpack my schedule so that I'm too busy and overwhelmed for daily obedience to God. You know, sometimes we can fill our lives with good things, but so many good things that you don't stand a chance of obeying the simple things we know to be doing because we are so exhausted at the end of the day. Simplicity. Humility. I don't have to be checking every box in the rat race. I am pursuing humility, which... The sign of that is simplicity. I'm a person of integrity. Okay. Let me give one more example and then we'll keep moving forward. But let's just consider. Let's, we're going to stay with this group idea since it's January and, and, you know, this is important to the life of a believer, I believe. Let's say, sometimes, dare I say, we have a tendency to overcomplicate things. <laughs> we overcomplicate them and then we call it spiritual. And so we got to kind of be careful with this sometimes. So let me give you an example. Let's say I decide I'm going to, you know, start a group. I'm going to do something new or I'm going to start this ministry. Okay, sometimes we have this tendency to be like, and now I've started this group and I can never take a break because souls are on the line. And if we take even one week off, someone could go to hell. And it's like the pressure is on. Now I'm doing this group the rest of my life and all of you are here and we will never take a breather. Okay, let's, woo, listen. Jesus often drew away to lonely places to pray, to get alone. We we can overcomplicate it so much to where we're wearing ourselves out we don't even stay in the race. (laughs) Okay, let's tone it down maybe a bit. Um, but will we do that? We'll overcomplicate it and then we spiritualize it and, and it kind of morphs what, what it was supposed to be. Here's another example. It's January. We're making our lists. We're considering good foundations. We're asking God sincerely, Lord, what foundations do you want me to work on? Do I need to strengthen that are weak or what foundations are unhealthy? And maybe you come up with a list of 15 things, okay? And then we're like, all right, here we go. Buckle in. All 15 things in the next 30 days. 
I'm going to be a completely, you won't even recognize me when I come in 30 days later because all 15 things are going to be totally, okay, well, you could try that. Uh, and, I, you know, you may have that kind of capacity and amazing, but chances are in about two months you'll have quit all of them, right? It's too much. So how about, okay, we have a list of 15 things. Okay, Lord, what, tell me, which one, which one thing Maybe one unhealthy habit I'm stopping and one healthy habit I'd like to start. I'm going to take the first quarter of this year and I'm going to work on this one thing that I feel you calling me to bring attention to. So maybe it's my thought life. Maybe I am just totally, my thoughts are everywhere. I do not have any control or, or um, self-discipline over my thoughts. And I think that I can have spiritual discipline there. That's probably going to help with other things. So my thought life and my prayer time. Those are the two things I'm going to work on for this first quarter. Yes, there may be 30 other things that I need to work on. But listen, we're running a marathon, not a sprint. Paul talks about this a lot. He's like, run the race to finish. Don't run the race to be impressive for that first 15 yards, and then you're like dead on the, the track. Run the race as though to finish. I'm not. He said, I'm not aimlessly running, just like... I'm running. Look at me run. We are running as though to win. Because let me tell you what starts to happen. If you're not careful, the good works you're trying to do, the effort, the spiritual disciplines, the, the, the healthy spiritual foundations you are attempting to build with Christ start to become about me. If I'm not careful, then look how shiny and impressive I have become. Um, I made a goal to pray for 10 minutes, but now I'm praying for 30. And now I think everyone should know that. Like, we start to twist what started as a good endeavor slowly, if we're not careful. It starts to be about us. We've forgotten clay pot thing. Now it's like, okay, now I am going to be impressive. And now I can't make them think that our group isn't doing this. So, And we start turning things in what was meant as good... What was meant to be a healthy foundation is now fueling me, my pride. Uh-oh, now I'm standing on sand. Uh, but I had all the, I, I've been doing a group, I've been doing this, I pray now out loud, I, do, I serve on a team. Uh, that doesn't mean my foundation is Christ, because I can do all those things and feel very good about it. So it's, 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 um, we need God's help to, to make sure that our foundation is on him and it's not about us. And that's why I say we choose humility. We choose simplicity. We're not checking off a bunch of boxes and doing all these things so I can look impressive and feel good at the end of the night. Like, no, no, no. Holy Spirit, what are you asking me to work on? What is a weak point in my faith that when that storm comes, it's going to highlight that I really don't trust you? Or I really, you know. Holy Spirit, you show me. And I'm trusting you to guide me in how to shore up that foundation. Remember, we're clay jar, not a motorized production assembly line. Ching, 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 ching. Clay pot. <laughs> Clay pot. I'm going to be obedient to do what God has asked me to do. We may be a clay pot, but we have the great light of Christ 
inside us. I'm going to end with this um, story here. If you've never looked up the Dead Sea Scrolls, you should. It's fascinating. Go to deadseascrolls.org and you can read all about it. But if you've never heard of this, um, there was a discovery, an archaeological discovery in the 40s that was probably the most impressive of, of any time, but especially our time. There were these shepherds in the 40s and they were shepherding. This is around the Dead, the dead Sea. And one of them, I think he actually fell into a cave. He discovered a cave accidentally, and he discovered these clay pots in them, and he took them home. He took one of them home, and inside it were all these rolled-up scrolls and you know documents. And they discovered that these documents, there were thousands of, they ended up, of course, discovering all these caves, and there's been, I think, definitely hundreds, I think even thousands to this point, of manuscripts that they have found um, hidden in clay pots all in this region, hidden in these caves. And it's so amazing because some of these documents uh, range as early as the first temple period, 8th century BCE. And what among a lot of the documents, there's tons of documents, but among them is every single book in the Hebrew Bible, which is the Old Testament, every single one except Esther. That's the only manuscript that wasn't, that isn't found um, in these Dead Sea Scrolls. But every single book except Esther was found in, among these scrolls. And the reason this is so amazing is because these scrolls are a pre date a thousand years earlier than our previous earliest documented biblical manuals, manuscripts. So the ones we've had previously, the earliest biblical manuscripts, these scrolls that were found are a thousand years earlier than them. And the amazing part about it is that as scholars have gone through them, it has shown undeniable proof that the scriptures have not changed over time, but have remained solid. Because that's one of the arguments people have. It's like, okay, even if you believe that God inspired the scriptures to be written, even if you believe that's God's word, how do you know man didn't change it? Because it was recorded from man to man to man, you know. And so that's one of the arguments. Like, even if it was God's scripture, it had to have changed. There's no way the message could have remained the same. But the Dead Sea Scrolls are undeniable proof that even a thousand years before the earliest manuscripts, the documents were unchanged. And, and many of them were the full documents. Some we just have pieces because of, you know, decay. These clay pots held on to the greatest treasure we have ever discovered. They preserved the word of God. These jars may have been dried out, cracked, jagged, broken in places, but they held on to the treasure. They held on to the word of God. And we, like those jars, have this great light in us. We have the, the, the hope for humanity, salvation hidden in our hearts, we, like those clay pots, um, contain this great treasure. And it is God's desire that we be whole and complete and free. And so that's why we consider it so important this year to, to go through and make sure our foundations are sure, that they can weather any storm, that through the horrific moments that happen in life, we discover what we really believe about God. Because in that scripture earlier, 
didn't say, if you, those who hear my words and do them won't have any storms happen. No, no, no. They're coming. They're coming. So I don't know what steps you need to take this year, what you specifically need to do to shore up your foundation, but I know that we must. I know that we should. I know that we have to, to, to remain light in this broken world. And Jesus offers us the free gift of salvation. He offers freedom. He offers healing. But he will not fix your will. He won't. He will not override your will and make you do something, make you act in honorable, holy ways. He won't. Our will is what we have to submit and say, I will submit to the ways of Jesus. And we see this example in Jesus. We, he gives us this example. Jesus submitted his will to the Father. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, before he went to the cross, in Scripture we find him kneeling down, groaning, in agony, saying, I don't want to do this. And you know what? His disciples didn't see it. They wouldn't have known. If Jesus had been like, you know what? Nah. I'm God too. I'm part of the Trinity. I'm going to find another way. The disciples wouldn't have known he disobeyed. They had no idea what he was doing, kneeling down in the dark. They were sleeping. But Jesus, in the cover of darkness, when no one was watching him, told his father, I don't want to do this, but not my will, yours. And he did that. He made that choice to obey, to submit his will. So that in the cover of darkness, when no one's watching you, you can choose to obey. You can submit your will. Jesus has given us the power to do that. Let's stand. God, I thank you that you are our example in all things. And I pray for for myself this year and pray for this church this year that every day we would make the choice to be submitted to you to be obedient to what you're asking us to do that we wouldn't be building our own treasure, our own pride wouldn't be fueling that, but God, our desire, our heart would be to, to honor you, to be in relationship with you. I pray for each person as they're considering and you're speaking to them about what foundations need to be healthy this year. God, get it, empower them to make those choices. We pray that we would approach you this year with humility, with simplicity, that what we do and what we say are the same, and what we think are the same, are lined up, that you are our true north. When no one is watching us, when we're, in, when we're in the cover of darkness, I pray that we would make decisions that honor you.
Thank you, God. Just giving some space right now for, for God to speak to us. If you're new here, if you're like, what the heck is this about? It's okay. <laughs> As Christians, we believe that we're in a relationship with God and we believe that he speaks to us. So I'm just going to give a few minutes for the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Are there things we've been doing that might look like good things, but it's not built on a rock? It's built on fear or my pride or expectations of others. Are there things I should start doing, areas in my faith I should step out in, and I've been too scared? I think someone else will be better at it. Help us, God. We just give this year to you in Jesus' name. We want to honor you. We want to be obedient children. In Jesus' name, amen.